Section twenty six of Greece and Rome. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Avai in October two thousand eighteen. The World's Story, Volume four Greece and Rome. Edited by Eva March Tappan. Section twenty six the death of socrates three hundred ninety nine b c by plato socrates the famous greek philosopher aroused much enmity against himself by his opinions and his freedom in expressing them in three hundred ninety nine b c he was accused of injuring the young by preaching new gods and was condemned to drink poison at his death his disciples were around him among them was Plato, the writer of this account, afterwards even more famous than his master. Socrates has been giving his reasons for believing in the immortality of the soul. The Editor On account of these things, then, a man ought to be confident about his soul, who during his life has disregarded all the pleasures and ornaments of the body as foreign from his nature, and who, having thought that they do more harm than good has zealously applied himself to the acquirement of knowledge and who having adorned his soul not with a foreign but its own proper ornament temperance justice fortitude freedom and truth thus waits for his passage to hades as one who is ready to depart whenever destiny shall summon him you then he continued Simeus and Cebes and the rest will each of you depart at some future time but now destiny summons me as a tragic writer would say and it is nearly time for me to betake myself to the bath for it appears to me to be better to drink the poison after I have bathed myself and not to trouble the women with washing my dead body when he had thus spoken Crito said so be it Socrates but what commands have you to give to these or to me either respecting your children or any other matter in attending to which we can most oblige you what i always say crito he replied nothing new that by taking care of yourselves you will oblige both me and mine and yourselves whatever you do though you should not now promise it but if you neglect yourselves and will not live as it were in the footsteps of what has been now and formerly said even though you should promise much at present and that earnestly you will do no good at all we will endeavour then so to do he said but how shall we bury you just as you please he said if only you can catch me and i do not escape from you and at the same time smiling gently and looking round on us he said i cannot persuade crito my friends that i am that socrates who is now conversing with you and who methodizes each part of the discourse but he thinks that i am he whom he will shortly behold dead and asks how he should bury me but that which i some time ago argued at length that when i have drunk the poison i shall no longer remain with you but shall depart to some happy state of the blessed this i seem to have urged to him in vain though i meant at the same time to console both you and myself be ye then my sureties to crito 
he said, in an obligation contrary to that which he made to the judges, for he undertook that I should remain. But do you be sureties that, when I die, I shall not remain, but shall depart, that Crito may more easily bear it, and when he sees my body either burned or buried, may not be afflicted for me, as if I suffered some dreadful thing, nor say at my interment that Socrates is laid out, or is carried out, or is buried. For be well assured, he said, most excellent Crito, that to speak improperly is not only culpable as to the thing itself, but likewise occasions some injury to our souls. You must have a good courage, then, and say that you bury my body, and bury it in such a manner as it is pleasing to you, and as you think most agreeable to our laws. When he had said thus, he rose, and went into a chamber to bathe, and Crito followed him, but he directed us to wait for him. We waited, therefore, conversing among ourselves about what had been said, and considering it again, and sometimes speaking about our calamity, how severe it would be to us, sincerely thinking that, like those who are deprived of a father, we should pass the rest of our lives as orphans. When he had bathed and his children were brought to him, for he had two little sons and one grown up, and the women belonging to his family were come, having conversed with them in the presence of Crito, and given them such injunctions as he wished, he directed the women and children to go away, and then returned to us. And it was now near sunset, for he spent a considerable time within. But when he came from bathing, he sat down and did not speak much afterwards. Then the officer of the eleven came in, and, standing near him, said, Socrates, I shall not have to find that fault with you that I do with others, that they are angry with me and curse me, when by order of the archons I bid them drink the poison. But you, on all other occasions during the time you have been here, I have found to be the most noble, meek, and excellent man of all that ever came into this place, and therefore I am now well convinced that you will not be angry with me, for you know who are to blame but with them. Now then, for you know what I came to announce to you, farewell, and endeavour to bear what is inevitable as easily as possible. And at the same time bursting into tears, he turned away and withdrew. And Socrates, looking after him, said, And thou too, farewell, we will do as you direct. At the same time, turning to us, he said, How courteous the man is! During the whole time I have been here he has visited me and conversed with me sometimes, and proved the worthiest of men, and now how generously he weeps for me! But come, Crito, let us obey him, and let someone bring the poison, if it is ready pounded, but if not, let the man pound it. Then Crito said, but I think, Socrates, that the sun is still on the mountain and has not yet set. Besides, I know that others have drunk the poison very late, after it had been announced to them, and have supped and drunk freely. Do not hasten, then, for there is yet time. Upon this Socrates replied, These men whom you mention, Crito, do these things with good reason, for they think they shall gain by so doing 
and i too with good reason shall not do so for i think i shall gain nothing by drinking a little later except to become ridiculous to myself in being so fond of life and sparing of it when none any longer remains go then he said obey and do not resist crito having heard this nodded to the boy who stood near and the boy having gone out and stayed for some time came bringing with him the man that was to administer the poison who brought it ready pounded in a cup and socrates on seeing the man said well my good friend as you are skilled in these matters what must i do nothing else he replied then when you have drunk it walk about until there is a heaviness in your legs then lie down thus it will do its purpose and at the same time he held out the cup to socrates and he having received it very cheerfully acacrates neither trembling nor changing at all in colour or countenance but as he was wont looking steadfastly at the man said what say you of this potion with respect to making a libation to any one is it lawful or not we only pound so much socrates said he as we think sufficient to drink i understand you he said but it is certainly both lawful and right to pray to the gods that my departure hence thither may be happy which therefore i pray and so may it be and as he said this he drank it off readily and calmly thus far most of us were with difficulty able to restrain ourselves from weeping but when we saw him drinking and having finished the draught we could do so no longer but in spite of myself the tears came in full torrent so that covering my face i wept for myself for i did not weep for him but for my own fortune in being deprived of such a friend but crito even before me when he could not restrain his tears had risen up but apollodorus even before this had not ceased weeping and then bursting into an agony of grief weeping and lamenting he pierced the heart of every one present except socrates himself but he said what are you doing my admirable friends i indeed for this reason chiefly sent away the women that they might not commit any folly of this kind for i have heard that it is right to die with good omens be quiet therefore and bear up when we heard this we were ashamed and restrained our tears but he having walked about when he said that his legs were growing heavy lay down on his back for the man so directed him and at the same time he who gave him the poison taking hold of him after a short interval examined his feet and legs and then having pressed his foot hard he asked if he felt it he said that he did not and after this he pressed his thighs and thus going higher he showed us that he was growing cold and stiff then socrates touched himself and said that when the poison reached his heart he should then depart but now the parts around the lower belly were almost cold when uncovering himself for he had been covered over he said and they were his last words crito we owe a cock to esculapius pay it therefore and do not neglect it it shall be done said crito 
but consider whether you have anything else to say. To this question he gave no reply, but shortly after he gave a convulsive moment, and the man covered him, and his eyes were fixed, and Crito, perceiving it, closed his mouth and eyes. This, Echecrates, was the end of our friend, a man, as we may say, the best of all of his time that we have known, and moreover the most wise and just. End of section 26